0: Hi, my name is Wizzy Brown. And I'm Molly Keck. And we are with the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service, Department of Entomology. And this is Bugs by the Yard, where we hope to increase your enthusiasm about bugs in the urban landscape.
1: Welcome back to Bugs by the Yard this week. We talked last time about what we consider to be social wasps. And then this week we're going to be talking about what are called solitary wasps. And the big difference really between solitary and social wasps is probably pretty obvious, but social wasps live in colonies of varying sizes and there's varying degrees of sociality from truly social where they never really die off. They live through the winter. They have a queen who, who only lays eggs, doesn't do any work, or they can be more like a paper wasp where the queen might do some work. The colony dies off in the wintertime. Um, and then so and then uh if you're a solitary wasp, you aren't social. So solitary wasps a lot of times might like to have neighbors um and live in kind of communal areas, but they don't actually live in a colony where um they take care of young or anything like that. They basically lay eggs, let those eggs hatch, and then the, the cycle starts all over again. Wow. So they're not great mothers, um, other than provisioning their nest with food for their babies, but they don't really take care of them after that. And so some of the real common solitary wasps are mud daubers that probably everyone's familiar with, especially in the summertime, when you go out into your garage and you find those tubes everywhere, then you see it stuck to a a shelf. Um, There are cicada killers, which are not quite out yet because cicadas aren't really in their heyday, but we'll start to see those. There are spider wasps, which are kind of an umbrella term for a lot of different wasps that like to eat spiders. So we'll talk also about what a lot of people know as a tarantula hawk. And then if we've got some time, some of the kind of cool, weird ones that aren't super common, but maybe you've been lucky enough to come across them. One that I see a lot is called the grass carrying wasp. And so if you're like in the San Antonio area, I suspect that you probably encounter these or have seen evidence of them and maybe not realized what they were. So, um, I guess starting with mud daubers, mud daubers, I think are really interesting looking. If you've ever looked closely at a mud dauber, the, the separation between their thorax and their abdomen is this long, skinny, long waist, but it doesn't like in my mind, how do the, how does the blood and the guts and everything like get, it's so tiny. How do things get through there?
0: How does everything like, it's almost like a bottleneck. It's yeah. creating its own bottleneck.
1: And what's the purpose of that? Does anybody really know? Or is there a purpose?
0: I don't know.
1: Just the way I, they look.
0: Yeah. There
1: has to be a reason, right? See, now I want to dissect one and see what it looks like inside. You'd have to have a pretty good little microscope. I imagine yeah. very, very, uh, uh, steady fingers and hands to pull it yeah, apart. That, that's not going to happen
0: <laughs> because it's so tiny
1: <laughs> and, uh, uh, mud daubers are, And the family speckity, right? Speckity. Yeah. And I've always seen two different colors of mud daubers. Maybe there's others, but there's like a bluish metallic one. And then I've also seen one that is more black and yellow. Um, I guess it's striped. I'm not sure that I.
0: It's like mainly black, but it has some yellow, like on the legs and on the body. And yeah, but it's not, it's not like a lot of yellow, like a yellow jacket.
1: So, and mud daubers will build a, like a, it's a mud nest and it's, I'm sure with their saliva and some, um, dirt, they, they, some of them are shaped like a chiminea and I'm sure that this is species specific, but I don't know like what color goes with what shape of nest. Yeah. I, I would love to look that
0: up because I love the ones that look like little pots like that. Yeah. They, they're just, those ones are
1: cool in my opinion.
0: And making- I get the ones that looks like somebody took a mud ball and threw it against the house.
1: Oh, you get those. I yeah. get, well, I, I guess I've only ever seen like the chimney or the pot ones, or it's like, um, a, it's like, um, organ tubing.
0: Yeah. Those you know? ones are
1: cool too. I don't know that I've had one. That's just like a mess unless I just didn't notice that that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, who's throwing stuff on yeah. my house, <laughs> but if you get mud daubers, I think the big thing with them is leave them alone. They're eating spiders and all sorts of stuff. And if you ever can break into one of those nests, you'll see empty, you know, leftover exoskeletons and all the stuff that they've eaten. And they're not aggressive. None of these wasps are aggressive because they're solitary. They don't have a home that they have to defend. So they're very docile. If you did something like grab them, I'm sure that they would sting you, but they don't, they're not trying to hurt you like maybe a paper wasp net paper wasp is if it, if it feels like it's nest is being um, attacked by you. They're trying to get away. Yes. They're trying to get away from you. Really gentle wasps. I think
0: mud if you want to kind of help them out, I always tell people that they need to keep kind of a bare patch of dirt somewhere that gets water regularly. So if you have an irrigation system or something that way they have a place to go get that mud and they can build the nest with it. But I like those because. They essentially will start constructing the nest out of the mud and then when they have so much of it built then they start to go out and sting things and paralyze it and then they bring them back and cram it in whatever kind of nest they're making and then they will lay an egg on the tube or whatever and then they essentially seal that off and once that nest is sealed they're out. They're, they're done. They're not at that nest again. But then the following year, the new mud daubers that have developed are going to emerge out of that. So if you, I don't know, if you don't like the nest on your house, you can scrape it off with a putty knife or something. And I usually try to wait until the following year when I see that the holes or the openings are there, that the wasps have already emerged, but You know, if you don't want them there. You can do it at any time of year.
1: They're so so nice. So the only reason why you wouldn't want them there is just because it's ugly, kind of dirty, messes up your sheetrock or something in your garage. But if you can leave them, I say live and let live with those guys. Kind of the same thing with another one, cicada killer wasps. I say live and let live. Although before I knew what they were, when I was, when I was a kid, we had uh, the way that you left our front door, there were hedgerows on either side. And the cicada killer wasps every summer would build their nests, um, excavate their tunnels in like the soil along those hedgerows. So for my brother and I leaving that, you know, the front door, it was like, you know, take a deep (laughs) breath and run for your life because they're, they're very loud and they seem very scary, but they're, I think the irony is, is that the males will dive bomb you and scare you, but they can't sting you. The females can, but they could care less if you're, if you're walking around them. So, um, so I know why they're so scary because they are gigantic, but if you know that they can't hurt you and they don't want to hurt you, then I would have probably walked through that with a little bit more confidence than I did as a little kid.
0: And with the males, even though they are territorial and kind of aggressive, because when they, they typically emerge out first, And they're hovering, I guess, kind of getting space to, I don't know, staking out their area for when the females emerge. And then they're going to have those females emerge out. And then they are essentially in an area. And when those females fly through, then they'll grab them and they'll mate with them and that sort of thing. So they kind of don't want anybody in that space so they can get whatever female wasps come through. So if you're walking through that space, they will come up and buzz at you. But if you just keep on walking and once you're out of their little area, they're, they're fine. But like Molly said, um, they can't sting, but the cool thing with cicada killers, have you ever looked closely at a male, the very tip of the abdomen, it looks like a stinger on them on the males. I mean, it's not functional obviously, but it's like,
1: it's, like, it's just really super pointy. Yeah. And it's really cool looking. <laughs> so, then I probably so. have a bunch of males in my collections and just assume they were females because now that I think about it, the female stinger is like really pretty long. Yes. Like, it's so long that you would think, even if the venom didn't hurt, just the sheer like physical pushing into your skin,
0: this poking into me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I've never been stung by one, so I can't speak to it. And I don't know anyone who's actually ever been stung by one. Do you know anyone? I know, Well, not at all of all the thousands and thousands of people we've spoken to over over all the years, then proof though, that they are not harmful. I haven't even heard of anyone saying that their dog was stung by it. So there you go. They're very, very docile. And if you don't know what a cicada killer wasp looks like, they're huge. Like I'm the worst at measuring, but two inches.
0: Yeah. I would say inch and a half, two inches.
1: Yeah. Very large, uh, black and and yellow. Not really connecting stripes, but more like, like two bands on either side of the abdomen kind of right. Yeah. Like pattern pattern. Yeah. And
0: their wings are kind of um, like a reddish Brown kind of dusky color. They're not clear.
1: Mm-hmm. Right. As their name implies, they love cicadas. So they are most active and more abundant when the cicadas are available as their food source. And they'll take those, they'll excavate a tunnel, sting a cicada, drag it into the ground, fly off with it, drag it into the ground and provision the nest with food for their offspring so that, um, their babies have food when they, when they eventually hatch out of their little eggs. And I've seen a cicada killer before it's like, they have to carry it. I mean, cicadas are huge, right? And cicada killer wasps are huge themselves, but cicadas are still larger than the wasps are. And I always think it's funny because it seems like they will take them up really high, like climb up high. And then I, because they're so heavy, I guess that gives them enough time to glide, to get down to wherever they are. But I, I mean, I'm assuming they, they probably, well, cicadas are everywhere. So they probably just build their nests anywhere and assume that they'll get food. Unless I wonder if they like scope out a place like, oh, this tree has lots of cicadas all the time. I'm going to build my tunnel under the tree or by the porch that's close. I
0: I wonder if it would have more to do with like the soil texture. Yeah. Because I think, I I mean, here in the Austin area, depending on what side of 35 you're on, you're either black clay or you're more kind of caliche or sandy if you're down towards the river. and. I have, I can't imagine trying to dig a tunnel in that black (laughs) soil. That would be terrible. So I I seriously wonder if it would have to do with the soil texture and how easy it is to dig in a particular area. And I have seen seen multiple females share the same like main tunnel because they do do the offshoot tunnels off of that main one. So I've seen multiple wasps kind of going in and out of one.
1: It's like an apartment cicada building.
0: Cicada killer hotel or something. Yeah. Shared hallway, but <laughs> yeah. rooms are separate.
1: I'm pretty sure we did a, a podcast on this. I think two years ago when the when the um, Asian giant hornet was a big deal and everyone was killing the cicada killer wasps. That was a lifetime ago. <laughs> so no one's talked about the Asian giant hornet. It seems like in the news. So I'm curious to see how many cicada killer wasps we see this year because 2020. 2020- There were tons of them. Everyone was killing them off. Last year, 2021, still saw quite a few. So I, but I'm sure they were getting killed off because that Asian giant hornet was still in the news. So I wonder what 2022, whatever whatever this year is, is going to look like for cicada killer wasps. Probably not as many.
0: And as we said in last episode, we do not have Asian giant hornets in Texas.
1: Exactly. We only have cicada killer wasps and leave them alone.
0: Just to remind everyone.
1: (laughs) And then another um, fun. Solitary wasp are spider wasps. And so, like I mentioned, this is kind of an umbrella term. There's a lot of wasps that primarily feed on spiders. And what's the are these specids also? Those are pompilids. Pompilids, pump which is such a cool name for them.
0: Those are the ones they have the the antennae. I always remember them because they have like little curled antennae. Yeah. Yes.
1: They're like, they're pretty and they come in all different sizes. I think when people think spider wasp, they think tarantula hawk, which are very, very large. But there are some that you'll, and what tells me it's a spider wasp is they tend to kind of crawl on the ground and flit their wings as they're going. Yep. And so they're very, noticeable. You know, they're very conspicuous. They make themselves known and they're just looking for a spider. I, w- I imagine that the flicking of that wings probably has some purpose. Like maybe it gets the spiders moving or it attracts them to it. Or
0: that might be like a startle response that they're trying to create the yeah. spider to react and that way they can find them or
1: something. I don't know. That's my guess. total guess, but that's my guess too. So like Wizzy mentioned, they've got the curly antenna. So if you see that, it's probably a spider wasp. There's one that's like a metallic blue. I see a lot Um, like, like dark metallic black or blue. Um, And I don't know of any others though. Oh, I guess there's kind of a brownish one.
0: Yeah. And dusky wings again, they're kind of a not, not clear. They're kind of like a transparent.
1: Like Amber. Yeah. There we go. Amber. That's a great color.
0: And then of course, you know, tarantula hawks are ginormous and very noticeable.
1: <laughs> and they're kind of like, kind of a reddish brown body, right?
0: It depends. Uh, I've seen a lot of them that are more like a blackish
1: color. So there must be multiple species of tarantula hawks because there's a, yeah. so I have some, I have a gigantic, like unbelievably humongous black one. And you see that one and you think, well, well, obviously the only kind of food they could eat is a tarantula to give them any sustenance because they're they're so big. And then there's like a reddish or a brownish one that isn't quite as big that I know I have in my collection that, that somebody has brought me that I'm pretty sure is a tarantula hawk too. Um, but they can be real, real big and they're not, they're kind of like the cicada killer wasp. They have a very impressive stinger but it's meant to sting their prey. It's not meant to sting us. And so if you grabbed it, I'm sure it would sting you, but otherwise they really just ignore you and go after their, their prey on the ground. So if you don't like spiders, you definitely want to keep these guys around because they, they. I, I'm sure there's other food sources they eat, but they're known for, for feeding on ground dwelling spiders.
0: And the tarantula hawks, if you've ever seen one in action, it, is the coolest thing ever because even though this wasp is huge you know tarantulas are also extremely large spiders in most people's thoughts you know tarantulas are ginormous and this wasp is i mean molly talked about the cicada killer wasp kind of (laughs) climbing up and then gliding with this one it's kind of doing that whole like hop flutter thing across the ground, trying to drag this tarantula back to wherever it's created its burrow. And it's, it's just so fascinating. And that's usually the people (laughs) that I get contacting me. They're like, Oh my God, I saw this tarantula and this wasp was dragging it, (laughs) but they will essentially carry that or drag the tarantula back to the burrow that they create in the ground. And then they'll lay a single egg on that. And then again, you know, that that's pretty much done with maternal care there. They close that up and that tarantula is what that wasp larvae will eat when it emerges. So that I think the tarantula is still alive. Right. And the, it's just being eaten gradually, which is kind of disturbing.
1: <laughs> so they have to develop very, very quickly. Cause I would imagine that food source would get rotten really fast. I don't know because it so, has the
0: exoskeleton, So it's kind of like contained, but I, I don't know. I mean, cause if you think about like a dead insect on the ground, it's not like they rot like a regular stuff. There's no like yeah. putrefaction of flesh because they're
1: hard on the outside. I'm thinking of like really large things in my collections that are freshly dead and they start to smell, you know, so there's gotta be some, oh yeah, uh, some rotting mm-hmm. that happens. So they must develop very quickly as a larva or not care if they're eating rotten, gross food, and then just spend the majority of their time in the ground as a pupa, I guess. Who knows? <laughs> Somebody knows, but not us. And then there are three other um, types of solitary wasps that you may or may not have seen. My favorite, um, and I'll let you maybe talk about the the pollen and the mason wasps, because I don't know about, I'm not very familiar with them. I don't know much about them, but we see a lot of grass carrying wasps around here and, and they're They kind of look like mud daubers if you were to see them fly, uh, flying around. But what you usually see is evidence that they were there and they will take grass. And it looks like um, like after you mow dried up grass, they'll take grass pieces and shove it into a little groove. And usually they'll do it in the in your windowsill and they cram them inside there. And if you pull all that stuff out. You'll see little, I have seen little pupa cases and they're wrapped up in grass also. And they're usually empty by the time I get to them, but people will call all the time and say, something is cramming grass into my window sills. You know, what is it? And it's, it sounds like you're being sarcastic. A grass carrying wasp is doing it.
0: <laughs> yes. I actually dealt with that this year and I was just like, I'm so sorry, but this is the actual name because <laughs> I felt like I was just being a total jerk and
1: it's I felt really bad. It's like uh well, yes, it it just yeah, you sound like you're being real snotty with people when they have those obvious names, but they just carry the I've never seen them do their job. I only see what they do after it. And um the, I know that in my home There were two windows that they really like to go after, but these, this was like on a corner. So it wasn't necessarily that these windows were facing a certain direction, but I've had a lot of people call and say, well, it's this, it's the South facing part of my house, or I might be making up that direction, but it's one side of their house that they tend to go after and not the other side. And I bet you it's probably, they may avoid the North side because they're probably spending the winter as that pupa and they don't want to have the North wind whip out their babies out of that little groove in the windowsill. Um, now that totally makes yeah. sense. I'm trying to think. And the two windows that they were on were facing south and west. I think so yeah, south and west. So again, it not, not definitely not north. Um, but yeah, there, and if I've also had pest management professionals ask, well, how do we prevent this from happening? And I don't really know other than you fill in that little groove in your windowsill so that they don't cramp. They don't have a little piece to go into, but. It's another one that I'm like, it's not, it's not really bothering you. It may just look kind of ugly, but there's no reason to try to kill these guys. And, and all of these wasps that we have talked about are predatory. I'm sure that some of them have to go after some nectar for their carb source, but they're mainly predators. So they're eating bad bugs and helping control, keep insects in check for you. And um, you probably will find that if you get rid of these, that you'll, that you'll have more of a pest problem with some other insect that was their primary food source. So live and let live. If they're not in your house, then let them do their thing outside. That's what they're meant for.
0: So this year I actually was mucking around in the backyard and I stumbled upon European tube wasps, which I guess I have probably seen them before, but I have never really paid attention And these are, they're a wasp, they're yellow and black in color. It's just, they've got, you know, a specific pattern and whatnot, but these were actually making their nest in my solitary bee house. So I thought that I had Mason bees, but then I saw this wasp on there and I was like, Oh, what's, what's going on here. And they are going to collect usually caterpillars from the, you know, environment or whatever, and they'll find a tube or a hole or whatever to stuff those caterpillars in. And then they'll lay an egg on it and then they will seal the end of that with mud. And so the adults are going to feed on nectar and honeydew and kind of other sugar sources, but they will Uh, be beneficial because they're capturing caterpillars and stuff to feed to their offspring, but they're really, really cool looking wasps. So it may be, if you have a solitary bee house, it may be that you have mason bees in there, but it may also be that you have European tube wasps. Either way, you know, you're still getting beneficial insects. And so I wouldn't worry about it too much. Have you
1: done any research? Like if they're European tube wasps, they're obviously not native, but do you know how they were brought over? Like, do you think maybe people?
0: I, I have not looked into it. Nope. I do not know.
1: You don't hear about it from the invasive people. So this must not be an invasive or a non-native that's necessarily invasive or bad.
0: I would assume that it's kind of just, well, they're collecting things. And I'm, I don't know, maybe they were brought over for biological control. I don't know. Oh, maybe Actually, I need to do some
1: research or maybe they were accidentally brought over in Mason bee tubes where they were trying to use those native bee houses as like a, uh, uh how you can try to manage them. You can put them out for pollination of certain crops. That would be a funny yeah. story if that was the case. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Dang it. We got the wrong one. <laughs> And then pollen wasps, I think they are one of those that a lot of people probably see, but they don't really recognize what they are so these are actually a subfamily of the vespids, and they are going to if they They're wasp-like, but different colors. They can be um, black and yellow. They can have like reddish brown markings on them. And the big difference with these is that they are not predatory. They actually will feed their larvae on a pollen and nectar mixture, kind of similar to what bees do. And they are going to have... um, I'm going to say knobby antennae, it ends in a club. So it expands at the tips of them. And so it's kind of a way that you can tell that that's what you're looking at, but there are a bunch of them. I was looking on bug guide and it was just like a huge, huge group. And, you know, I was looking through the pictures and I was like, oh yeah, I've seen that. I've seen that. I've seen that. But I had no idea what I was looking at. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, huh, these are way more common than I was really expecting. But they typically are going to be in desert areas, so these are really really abundant in, you know, Africa, but they also have them in the desert areas of North and South America. So since we're in Texas, you know, we do have some desert areas here so you may run into them.
1: I'm reading here that they're that they are generally very specific feeders, they're not generalists, so I like specialized feeders on specific species of plants, which I always think is so neat that they've, you know, evolved to only go after a certain family of plant or a certain type of plant.
0: Yeah. And they do make a mud nest similar to mud daubers um It'll either be a mud nest if it's above ground, or they can do burrows in the ground as well. But essentially they'll create the mud nest with the little tube thing, and then they'll go back and barf up (laughs) the nectar and pollen mixture into that. And then they lay an egg on it and they seal it up. And, you know, so then they'll have all those different little cells that have developing wasps in them. So just... Just like a cool little wasp that, you know, keep an eye out in your explorations to see if you can come across it. Because I think that a lot of people probably see them and they don't recognize what yeah, they are.
1: I don't think I do either. I mean, I see lots of things and just assume, well, I guess I just don't think about it very much. I just think, oh, it's a yeah. wasp. And then don't yeah. think beyond that. Well, they
0: look like yellow jackets. I mean, they're really kind of stout. I mean, they're fat. Really, yeah. Yeah. They just got that kind of in the coloration a lot of times is yellow. I mean, it can be more of a pale creamy color as opposed to bright yellow, but, you know, look at the antennae if they have clubbed antennae again. And if you have a yellow jacket, you're not going to be inspecting it. But
1: so this, this past week or this week, I guess it's over today, but, uh, was the state 4-H roundup. Yeah. So I was up in college station judging the entomology collection contests and, I, one of this uh, entries had this really cool wasp in her collection, and I asked um, if you if y'all listen to our other podcast, Unwanted Guests. But uh, Robert Puckett, Dr. Robert Puckett, was judging them with me. And I asked him what, look at this thing. This wasp is really neat. And he said, oh, I know what that is. It's called a, it was the first time I've ever seen one. He said he he called it a Potter wasp, but it was a really cool looking um, wasp, like the the pattern and it's coloring. And it was just very, it didn't look like any other wasp I had ever seen. So I have yet to see one in the wild, I don't think, but I saw a dead one in a collection that some student picked up in, I think the Dallas somewhere, somewhere in North Texas area, North central Texas. Well, that's, that's our episode on solitary wasps. You probably didn't realize that there were solitary wasps out there. We've, if you are kind of into social and solitary insects, then, or the difference between the two, then be sure to check out some of our previous podcasts on social wasps, social bees, and also solitary bees. We've got a lot of information um, on those guys too, but thanks for joining us this week for Bugs by the Yard, and we'll catch you next time.